0: Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America Podcast. J.J. Cooper, Josh Norris here. We got J.J. and the Bear back together for the first time in a long time. All my fault. Uh, prospect Handbook has meant... I've been doing a lot of calling, a lot of reporting,
1: a lot of writing, and no podcasting for yep. a long time. I've been doing a lot of calling, a lot of writing, a lot of, uh, a lot of fantasy and writing. You've been doing some podcasting. I did some podcasting last week, and I've been... Do a lot of stuff here. Uh, but, but now we're back. It's JJ and the Bear like old times from way back when we were young in the summer. Yes. Summer when there
0: weren't, I didn't have two more. T- I've got two teams written, top 30s written, two more to go. Um, so, you know, so yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a busy time here at Baseball America. That's great. I mean, it's fun. It's prospect season. But it, it definitely does make for a busy time. We're going to talk prospects at this podcast. If you expect it's a JJ and the Bear podcast, we're going to talk prospects. We're going to talk about. The AL Central Top Tens, uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, take some questions that we have, uh, people sent to Twitter, Norris 427 I'm Coop 36 And then uh, we're going to talk about the Josh Donaldson trade to the Blue Jays, and a little bit about the guys that they're bringing back uh, in that trade to, to Oakland. And we're going to end up with a little talk about the uh, our Organization of the Year, which we announced, we're recording this on Monday, we announced it today. But we're going to start with the AL Central. Top ten prospects. So you want to do a draft here like we've done with me and Matt, or is that something we save for me and Matt?
1: I think we should do this. Just We, we could do this here. I, okay. Think. So, I don't think we're going to go but you off, remember. off Matt's board.
0: Yes. So the rules of the draft, though, are, and we may do this me and Matt again later, but the rules of the draft are you don't draft number ones.
1: Okay. So, so that throw means away the number ones. That means Mondesi's out. Raul Mondesi for the Royals. And Byron Buxton, shockingly, is out. And We're not doing this in alphabetical order, because he started in the middle, but... Uh, <laughs> Devon Travis is out, and out of their org. Yeah, I mean, so their new he, number one he, is Stephen Moya, who cannot be drafted, I guess, yeah, by that's these correct. rules. Uh, Francisco Lindor, shortstop of note from the Cleveland organization. And Carlos Rodon uh, is out for the, uh, the White Sox. Okay. So you started off, sir. So what we
0: do, if you remember from last year, uh, these podcasts... We will take, we will draft, you know, five to ten guys uh, who are not number one prospects. If you, if you to, to start it off before we get there, I will say, I, I think we would, if at least I'll, I won't speak for Josh, but if it was me and we were drafting number ones, Byron Buxton would still go number one, even with the wrist problem, even with the concussion. Uh, after that, I go Francisco Lindor, who is a pretty much big league ready shortstop. Some questions about how much impact he's going to have at the bat. Not really any question of him being a, uh, a solid big lead shortstop. The question is, is going to be a solid big league shortstop, or is he going to be even better than that, which is really good. Then um, you go Rodon, I think. I probably would go. I go Rodon. Um, then there's Mondesi Then Mondesi, Ford. and then Stephen Moya would be a, a pretty distinct uh, drop uh, after, uh, after Mondesi, for me at least. Um. So then, but that, again, those are the guys we can't pick. I'm going Miguel Sano. Pretty easy. You know, pretty easy to start with. Uh, twins had a whole lot of guys. Twins had a, on the farm system, they had a terrible year, not from the standpoint of guys, like, backing up or anything. They had a terrible year from guys just being hurt. And Miguel Sano was hurt. He missed the whole year. Tommy John surgery. The good thing is, this Tommy John surgery in a position player Not as uh, worrisome as Tommy John surgery for a a pitcher, shouldn't affect his hitting in any way. You're really looking at the one question you have is: Is Sano's arm was his best asset defensively at third base? So you you do have the question of is that going to uh, you know is the arm going to go from a seventy to to drop back? But there was some question about whether to give a third baseman or first baseman anyway, and the bat should be good enough for him to play at first base anyway. So. So uh, no, you know I still again, I'll take Sano.
1: Well, I'm gonna go off the board. I'm not taking a number two at this point or okay. a number three even. I'm gonna take Kyle Zimmer with with my first pick. I know he's got the shoulder issues, but with this is a, this is not a real world draft, and I'm betting on what I saw that what I've seen from him before, and what I've seen from him before is absolutely electric. I, you know, people do come back from shoulder surgeries. It's not obviously Tommy John at this point. But what I saw was awesome—the the two pitch mix of that 93, 97, 98 fastball, and the sharp breaking hook. Two average o- other offerings up there. I'm gonna put my chips in on Kyle. That's interesting. I mean,
0: you could very well see him being ending up. We look back on this five years and say, "Yep, he ended up being the best pitcher among this group." You could also very easily see, could look back in five years. And I could still be writing up Kyle Zimmer for the Royals list and going, if he just ever had a year where he was healthy, because so far we're in year three of pro ball and we can't say we've had one of those years yet. That's that's going to be the question. We'll see. I mean, that's it's a big question and we don't have an answer to it yet. But
1: here on this podcast, I got my top medical surgeons on him. We are assuring him full health for this purpose. Uh, don't bet on that.
0: Now. I do think, I mean, this is a list that after Ceno, it you can go a lot of different ways. It's not an e- I mean, there's not a, a slam dunk. You know, you've got Brandon Finnegan with the Royals, who was in the big leagues at the end of the last year, but is, a, is an undersized lefty who there are some questions whether he's going to start long term. You've got, uh, again, we won't be talking about Tiger Tigers for a little while, but you, you've got uh, Shamanaya with the Royals. You got J.O. Barrios, Jose Barrios with the Twins, Cole Stewart with the Twins. You got Alex Meyer, you know, but I'm going to go Barrios. I'm going to go Barrios with the Twins. I'm a very twin centric team right now. Uh, I think that if you look at Barrios' stuff, you're talking about uh, a pitcher who, who doesn't have a whole lot of giant weaknesses. Tim Anderson's another candidate for you here. But That's, that Yeah. But uh, but but I think Berrios, absolutely outstanding pure stuff. But outstanding pure stuff with a feel for for pitching too. I mean, it, it's he's pretty advanced for his age. So so I'll take Barrios.
1: Oh, I'm taking Tim Anderson. I'm taking my my, my franchise, I, what, five player franchise, shortstop. Is he gonna um, play shortstop for you
0: long term? Do you think?
1: Darn right he is. He's got the athleticism. I think to to keep. See, him I don't
0: there. think he has the actions. I'm not saying don't have athleticism. I, I the scouts that I talk to though do seem to have concerns about they think he's a very good player, but their concerns are is, is that he just the hands are they wonder if the hands and the actions are soft enough, smooth enough for him to be there long term. They see him as a center fielder, second baseman. I know there are others who disagree on that, but that's interesting, but you've got him as a shortstop. You th- you're you're convinced. <laughs> From the, like convicted and convinced from the
1: from the, from the from the like four times I saw him play before well, he man, got before to, he got hurt right yeah. and talk
0: you talked to play, people about him too yeah right? yeah yeah
1: I mean it's not it's not the pretty, right. it's not Lindor out there but he's got a lot of time to not a lot of time, he's got time to to figure it out side note when you and Matt did this did you compile your teams uh, we you never know, got just, a chance to I'm the, trying
0: to take notes this time so that maybe we can
1: we we'll have to go back it. and do an AL East draft too yes. that means. <laughs> Yes, but, but Baylor and I didn't didn't draft. We just
0: talked. Okay. Well, so so that's Tim Anderson taking him off the board. We got Bradley Zimmer, uh, you know, with the Indians or or Clint Frazier, Justice Sheffield, but I'm going Brandon Finnegan at this point. Um, Finnegan, I I know that I gotta that got I'm picking up a guy who can handle playoff pressure, um, for whatever that's worth, because he's already done it. First player ever to go to the College World Series to the Big League World Series in the same year. Plus stuff. Uh, the real questions are, is the things you're going to have to watch for next year. A couple things. One, Finnegan has some effort to his delivery. The, the delivery we saw in the majors in the playoffs, I would say was even a little bit more effortful because he was really just kind of letting it fly. As a starter, I, I think you'll see a little less effort than that, but that doesn't mean that there's not some effort there. He's a... He's a short pitcher who has effortless delivery. As a standard template, that's what when guys say, okay, he's gonna relieve. Really um, we have seen, you know, really what the question on that comes down to stamina and strength. If he's strong enough to repeat over and over and over, that doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna have to move to the pen. But his st- the other problem that he's gonna have to run into is his and, and prove is his, his He's going to go to the spring training, at least theoretically, with a shot at being in the big league rotation coming out of spring training. I don't think he'll probably win one of those jobs. If he doesn't, then you have the battle of okay, do you send him to the pen where you already know that he's successful and will help a team that is contending, or do you not and you send him back to the minors to develop as a starter? I don't think it's a slam dunk that he's going to be sent back to the minors to develop as a starter. And if that's the case, if you're good enough at it, it may be hard to eventually try him back to start in the long run. But I do think he has a, a solid chance to start. It's just going to be, the question is somewhat about circumstance.
1: I think with my, uh, my third pick, I'm going to shore up the left side of my infield and take Hunter Dozier from, uh, from the Royals. He had a really nice nice half year or so at, at high class A this year, scuffled a little bit at AA. Scuffled a lot. Scuffled a lot a, a bit at AA. But you know what? He's young. That was his first full year uh, in pro ball. He's got time to figure it out.
0: I will. Back to me. I'm going to take Bradley Zimmer, uh, first round pick this year of the Indians. The Brad, the, the the Indians have kind of a, a triumvirate of uh, of well, really they have four outfielders who yeah. Well, if you call him Mike Papi, I'm going to say Mike Papi's more probably a first baseman, but. I think you could really say five. Um, Bradley Zimmer, Clint Frazier, Tyler Naquin, who, you know, let's take Poppy out so four. Tyler Naquin, who's number six on their list. That, and then you have to throw in uh, James Ramsey, who they picked up from the Cardinals, who personally I don't think there's a whole lot separating him and, and Naquin. I'm probably, you know, almost equal a Ramsey fan as I'm a Naquin fan. But I'll take the best of that group. Bradley Zimmer, uh, you know, nice, very nice debut, pro debut, which it was – 180 at bat so don't go. You know, don't build too much off that. But he really, we, we've had two Zimmers already taken, brothers taken in this uh, AL Central draft. But it, you're, you're looking at a guy with athleticism, field to hit, and probably a right fielder. You know, that's that's a pretty good combo. So I'll go that way.
1: I am going to draft like I do in fantasy, which is terribly, and draft the hardest thrower on the board, Nick Birdie. I'm going to take the closer at, uh, at number four with his 102-mile-an-hour heat and 90-mile-an-hour slider and say, finish these games that only Kyle Zimmer is going to start at this point.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, Birdie is uh, obviously a, a – as far as relievers, he's right up there as far as, you know, premium stuff. Okay, I'll ask you, though. You left – if you're going reliever, you left Montas on the board – what stands out to you about Birdie versus Montas?
1: Hundred and two miles an hour. Montas is a hundred. Yeah, I didn't say I'm not going to draft him later. I mean, I'm saying, but you know, what do you like better about Birdie? He's got that college polish to him. Okay.
0: I, I say I'd probably, I'd be just as happy to have Montas. You can go off on your reliever thing because there's other relievers available. I'll. Plus I'll Montas has had knee problems. That is true.
1: That is true. And I might want Montas as a starter. You could. You could. You could. I, I'm definitely not taking Birdie as a starter. No, that's that's
0: not really an option. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's not a viable option. Next pick, I'm gonna go Cole Stewart. Um, you're going kind of off, I'm going more with the rankings. You're going off the rankings. Cole Stewart, right-hander for the Twins. The, the thing with Stewart is, is that Stewart didn't wow as much this past year, I, I think, as maybe some scouts expected, but he was impressive. Um, he showed some feel, and the stuff was still very solid. It just wasn't as blow you away stuff as maybe you were expecting. But uh, young, durable, as uh, so far, uh, pitcher who I, I, you know, I, again, I, I'm pretty happy with him from the standpoint of I think you're, if you're comparing him to like you got him, Shamanaya, there's some there's some starting pitchers here, but. Uh, Stewart, uh, I would say a little more conventional delivery, uh, a little bit less control concerns than than Mania, so That's why I go Stewart.
1: I think it's kind of interesting too that if we were taking this seriously as a as a real I'm it a real real draft, like I'm
0: you, taking it seriously.
1: We only have you take two, it seriously. We only have two catchers on the board. Well, yes, not, you're not trying to fill out a whole team. <laughs> yeah, we which one are you going to take? No, I'm not. You know, but uh, yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my. Fifth pick, I'm going to go fill out my middle infield and take Eddie Rosario off the board and put him at second so base. you
0: basically think our rankings are kind of irrelevant is really what you're
1: saying. No, no, no. that's not what I'm saying. I'm just filling them out, trying to fill it out as a team there. No, and don't
0: try to fill it out as a team. That, that ruins the exercise if you try to fill it out as a team. <laughs> Do you really want Eddie? I mean, he's like. Do you think Eddie's he, the next best player? He's a he's a good player. Like do you think he's the next best player? Because again, no, no, he's certainly not the then, next best don't player. Don't take Eddie Rosario. The purpose of this is who do we think are the best players?
1: Okay. Well, I was actually trying to fill out a no, team. No, why would
0: you fill out a team? We're not. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> well, I look gonna look back okay. in five years and see how we did. You know.
0: So who would you like as far as
1: the best talent on the board? Let's see. He's the next best talent. I, I could easily go Alex Meyer in there. I mean, he's, he's really good too. Big, big fastball. Big. Some call it slider. Some call it curve. So we've got the big, big breaking ball in there. He looks like he could be a dominant force in the major leagues.
0: I think. I do wonder with Alex Meyer. I mean, he's big enough that you have to have a lot of patience. I do wonder if it's ever going to really come together. Uh, you know. Right. I mean, that's the that, that's the question. Is that stuff is outstanding and his season he had at AAA was was very solid. But um, yeah, you, you just kind of you, you do hope that it all comes together, and that's really kind of the question. And we don't have an answer to that yet, obviously. Um, but uh, you know, it, I'll put it this way: I'm pure stuff. You would have ranked higher than number five on that list. Um, but but I think that's really kind of where the the question kind of comes in. Next pick for me, whew. really, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with okay. uh,
1: Sean
0: To me, if you look at Mania, was a possible top five pick in the 2013 draft before he had a hip injury. Um, after the hip injury, he fell, still got first round money. This year after having surgery, the hip injury doesn't look like a problem at all. First half of the season, he really kind of struggled. Second half of the season, he kind of put it together. Control has always been the biggest question, but he has plus stuff. Um, a delivery that helps him, at delivery in life on the fastball that means that he uh, he really misses bats, uh pretty well at his best. Lefty, you know, with, uh, again with potentially front end stuff. So if it all comes together, I got really got something there. If not, I mean, there's a little more risk there, but I'll take that.
1: Well, I'll take one of my personal cheese balls here. I'm gonna take Tyler Danish. Okay. I really, really, really like Danish. I, you must. I, I do. I do. I see. You're okay. taking
0: him over Spencer Adams and. I, I'll be honest I would take I wouldn't take three Tyler Danishes for Spencer Adams myself but
1: I don't know how I, to how to explain that transaction there but I, I like, Tyler like Tyler Danish but it's a funky delivery for sure it looks kind of like to me it looks kind of like a a shorter version of of Jeff Nelson the delivery but the stuff I've seen him get swings and misses on both his off-speed pitches and he commands it very well I don't know if he's gonna be a front of the rotation guy but I think he's a starter and I I'll take him on my team any day. He pitches with absolutely no fear. You give me the guy with the with the changeup that gets swings and misses and the spider that gets swings and misses. But really more than anything
0: it's with him it's the movement, isn't yeah, it not? I yeah. mean that's the that's kind of the Yeah,
1: it's 88 92 93. Right. And the but the the, the off-speed pitches you can't hit them. At least the, I, what I've seen in the Carolina League.
0: Hmm, back to me. Uh, I'm if I'm considering, we got, I mean, guys that are on the board. We've got Nick Gordon, the uh, first-round pick of the Twins this past year. We've got Miguel Almonte and Foster Griffin with the uh, with the Royals. We got Buck Farmer and Derek Hill and Domingo Leiba with the Tigers. Rule: of, you know, How we're going to determine this is the first Tiger goes off the board, we're done drafting. So <laughs> we got Clint Frazier and Justice Sheffield. And we're going back to the White Sox. I'm going to take. I'll take. If you're going to Tyler Danish, I'll take Spencer Adams. Spencer Adams. I, I think in a different draft with less uh, premium high school arms than this one, he'd be a bit of mid first round, you know, mid to late first round pick. Went a little later than that because this draft was so deep. But premium stuff. Obviously a long ways away. But but uh, the kind of arm that's you're you're quite happy to take kind of stash in the system and, and hope that in three, four, five years you really got something.
1: So what you're saying is you are buying the 59 strikeouts against four walks in 42 innings pitched? Yes.
0: I, I mean, again, <laughs> low-level numbers aren't uh, everything, but that was a nice start to go with <laughs> premium stuff. If he did that at 88-92 with good sync, I, I wouldn't be as uh, impressed, but he does it while, while bringing a really good fastball, too.
1: Yeah, I think um for my next pick, I don't know, I'm I'm thinking an outfielder here. I'm not totally sure which one at this juncture. But you know what? I'm going to go Clint Frazier. Big huh? ba- big bat speed, excellent hair, which is obviously key on our team. And there's you know there's the potential for a power hitting corner outfielder there. He's a little smaller, but Right, the
0: question is is He's a little, you know, I, his list is six one one ninety.
1: That's with the hair. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, I think he's a little smaller than that, but that, that's the question is, is, is guys who don't like him say, I don't know if he fits a profile. He's really swinging hard to develop that power. Other guys say, no, the power's there. You're saying the power's there. Sure. Or you're thinking that. You know,
1: you're, I'm hoping.
0: You're hoping the power's there.
1: Team right. Team Bear is, is banking on him.
0: Um, Back to me. You know, I wouldn't have wanted to take him early, early. Nick Gordon at this spot, though, I'm quite happy. Because Nick Gordon, again, he's a pretty divisive prospect. And divisive, not like, guys, no, I hate him. You know, divisive from the standpoint of, guys, question, okay, is he as athletic? You know, uh, scouts, scouts, when if they're bagging on, will say, he gets an athletic uh, athleticism halo because you know scouts think of D Gordon and go you know and and Nick's not that kind of player. Nick's more of a much more physical, much you know less speed, um, takes a big swing. You, you know a lot of times you won't get an average time out of the box, which is always a concern for a shortstop. You know a young shortstop, but you're talking about there's some there's some thump in the bat. You know for especially considering he might be a middle of the infield guy. Um, uh, pretty advanced for you know for a guy who should move reasonably quickly. Very you know again I'm I'm thrilled to have him at pick one two three four five six seven eight pick eight.
1: It's funny you're talking about a, a shortstop who might not who might not run the best. Uh, that is kind of the only real knock I got while doing the Philly system on JP Crawford mm-hmm. is that he's just not he's an average runner new, at best. It's a new
0: thing Carlos Correa can't run. Yeah
1: so and it, again two new model two people say he's he's duck footed. Which I hadn't even heard that as a term before, and I got inside and outside the organization, saying he runs like heel toe rather than, mm-hmm. uh, I guess toe heel, uh, but everything else he does really well. So I'm not footed.
0: That's not a good sign for JP. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we just threw a JJ Cooper on JP Crawford. We, we had both the initial two game. Initial, yeah, yeah. I hope. I hope everybody's two initials. Um, I'm going to uh, go back with uh, another outfielder again and go with a guy I saw in Instructs and liked a lot. It's a long way away for Team Bear, but um, Micker Adolfo or Zapata, whichever mm-hmm. he's going by that day. I saw him take a, a ball and hit it real, real, real far in Instructs. It was a non, not an easy pitch to hit either. Um, I'm betting that the, the White Sox made a really good investment on a toolsy outfielder with power, and he'll serve us well.
0: Okay. Back to me. At this point, I'll, I'll take Derek Hill. So we will. This will be wrapping up our. Because I will take a tiger. I'll take Derek Hill. baiting between him and Leva. Buck Farmer's in there too. But um, I'm going to take Hill. First round pick this year. You know, has a has a solid chance. I, I the the tiger system has. It's not. It's not truly horrendous or anything like that. It just lacks kind of impact, top-end guys. I I don't know. Steven Moya may, you know, who's not eligible for this, but he may crack a top 100. Um, I don't think anyone else will. Buck Farmer, I guess, could. Derek Hill could, but I don't think either of them will. But, again, I I think Hill's a guy who could develop. I mean, who a year from now could be a uh, significantly better prospect than than what we're thinking right now.
1: All right. Well, if you're going to close on that, I get one more pick, right? That's a Mm big second. Okay. So I will take... Uh Indians first baseman Bobby Bradley, who, if I remember correctly, on, on our in our Arizona League evaluations got pretty much took swept the board for best offensive prospect. He's you know, he's a first baseman, but he can hit, and I will take him.
0: Okay. Skipping over, so you'd rather have him than Mike Poppy. Yeah. Okay.
1: Gimme Bobby Bradley.
0: Um, you know, no it's so we'll wrap up at that point. Now we will move on to phase two of the uh, podcast, where we're gonna look at, uh, look at some questions that you guys have for us.
1: I should say that, that maybe next year, if we start with the ALEs, we should draft it as a team and see no. how whose teams do better.
0: Uh, I mean, no, because that's <laughs> not how teams work. Like, when you're drafting the draft, you're, you're drafting for talent,
1: you know? I
0: mean, you're, you, don't, you don't say, well, I can't draft another first baseman because I got a first baseman in rookie ball.
1: Well, that's fair, but
0: you don't start with a blank team in the draft either. Right, but no, I see. To me, we're looking. the The purpose of this exercise is to kind of line up the talent. And so, if you say, "Well, I can't draft that guy who's vastly better because I need a catcher," then I don't know how much that use that has for That's this, fair. You know, for for the listeners, this is for you guys. We're doing this so uh, listener questions now. Um, so okay, let's we'll start with this one. This because this will this will bring our phase three and phase two together. This podcast, I.B. Blue Jays who is uh, Isaac, it doesn't have a last name, but IB Blue Jays uh, asks, are the Jays going to be kicking themselves for including Barreto, that's Franklin Barreto, in this deal? Which, to set the stage, and I'll let you answer it first after I set the stage, is, is okay, so we had Josh Donaldson traded, third baseman from the A's who's coming off of back-to-back really loud seasons, sent to the Blue Jays for Brett Laurie, the big league portion of the uh, trade going back. Uh, Then you also have Nolan and Graveman, a pair of pitchers, and then Franklin Barreto, a very interesting shortstop, uh, who's played last year in the short season Northwest League, hadn't yet made it a full season ball, but was uh, our number one prospect in the Northwest League coming out of this year, and was the number five prospect in the uh, Blue Jays system, the top prospect who went to the A's in this trade.
1: This is where we'd very much like to have Clint Longnecker back to uh, for, for a day to explain... We miss you, Clint. Yeah, if you're listening here in in, uh, in Cleveland, hi. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be kicking themselves for including him because they got Josh Donaldson. You know, that I think that you have to spend at least one blue chip prospect to get that guy like that. As we've heard in the office all day today, you have to do something like that. And I think this is going to be the key to the deal. But if you get two or three good seasons, r- maybe not that's as great as the last two out of Josh Donaldson and it helps you get to the playoffs or even, you know, f- deep into the playoffs, then you're not going to regret it. Uh, I so mean, I, I,
0: yeah, Yeah, to me, I mean, you've got Donaldson locked up for multiple more years here. So if Donaldson, uh, again, from that standpoint, I agree completely, which is if Donaldson performs the way he has or semblance of the way he has the last two years for the next three to four years for Toronto, then you may not care what happens in return. Right. Um, That being said, I do think that there's a certain amount of Billy Bean halo effect going on now with Franklin Barreto in that Franklin Barreto is the same guy today as he was a week ago. And a week ago, he was an interesting low-level prospect in the Blue Jays system ranked number five in the organization. Now, that's a five that has a really power-packed top four because you've got you know, you're talking about three pitchers
1: in... Uh, Norris, Sanchez, in and Hoffman. And Hoffman, yeah. And, and then you're talking
0: Dalton Pompey, a center fielder who's already played in the big leagues. So you got clear four, top four, and then Barreto is the best of the non, you know, the, besides that group. And Barreto, again, number one prospect in the Northwest League, really good bat, young, young hitter, who you talk to guys who think he'll stay at shortstop, you talk to other guys who think he'll be a second baseman or a center fielder, He's gonna be playing a impact position, and he should be able to handle that and play it pretty well. Uh, the tools are there, speed and all, to go with the hit. Again, very interesting prospect.
1: Absolutely. Um, and if you thought he was gonna be a center fielder, he probably wasn't gonna be a center fielder on the Blue Jays. If you, if you well, long him Pompe- term enough,
0: I mean, Pompey will be our eligible before he ever gets there. So you know, you don't, they're not stacked up on each other by any stretch. Because he, I mean, Barreto's at least. I mean, this is the downside of the trade as far as that. Bretta will head to full season ball this year. So if he moves quickly, you're probably looking at three to four years. So, um, you know, but you you do look at it and say, okay, yeah, I mean, he could be, he could be, he has a chance to be a very, very good player for the A's. Um, The reason that he is kind of part of, I mean, I, I think, you could say that Brett Laurie is probably even more important to this deal for the A's. Is the reason he's probably the part B of this trade, Lorie being A, him being B, Graven being C, and Nolan being D, is that you are taking a big swing when you draft, when you acquire in a trade, a guy who's yet to play full season ball. Guys' weaknesses are not as apparent. In short season ball as they are. And again, if you're doing a good scouting job, hopefully you're seeing them even, and there's gonna be development and all that. But there's a long way to go from where he is now to the big leagues. And, you know, again, he's been a high ceiling talent for the Blue Jays for a couple of years now. He's living up to those expectations so far. Now he goes to the A's. With the A's, he's at the. We're working on, you know, our A's list will go up Wednesday. I'll give you a sneak peek. He's either going to be number one or he's going to be number two on that list. So, but then you got, you know, again, the other part of it, you got Graveman and Nolan. Again, Brett Laurie, the, the, really the question is, is, uh, is he going to be healthy? If he's healthy and he, is he going to be healthy? And if he does, can he produce like he has shown flashes of? But M- Graveman and Nolan, really the question is, is, Graveman had a great year last year. Is that Was he a, uh, an absolute steal as a senior sign, or was are the Blue Jays selling
1: high on him? Well, I think what the A's are, are doing, because if you've got, what, seven starters now, mm-hmm. something like that, you're preparing for a second move, obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely doing that, but you're not replacing Jeff Samarja with Kendall Grayson. No, not, so, not value-wise. Right. You're, I mean, I guess the question I'd ask is, is, do you think this means that the A's are not really contending in 2015, or are they still contending?
1: I think they'll be they'll be right up there. I mean, so you, get, you get the Angels, who probably will contend, but their bubble's going to bust at some point. The, their bubble's going to bust at some point when these guys hit their. Uh, yeah, I think I think decline. the Angels though this
0: year. I mean, you, and you still do have Trout.
1: Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's one guy. He's one super guy. I mean, I mean you have Pujols, you have uh, yeah. Hamilton. Those guys could, you know, either decline nicely or fall, fall off a cliff. cliff. So we'll see there. Uh, who else we got in that division? The Mariners, they they were on the fringe of contention all year, and they just acquired Nelson Cruz. Uh, actually, they weren't on the fringe of contention. They were eliminated on the I was last day. Say,
0: they, they, they were one game behind the A's. Yeah, so. they were
1: eliminated eliminated on the last day, and they've got a starting rotation to die for. I mean, with Hernandez and Iwakuma, and I'm missing a big one here.
0: After that, it's Royas, uh, Elias, Elias uh, James Paxton, and uh, probably Taiwan Walker. Yeah, Taiwan so. Walker
1: is very good too. I I still think I'm missing someone. Uh, but in any case, uh, they're not. They're trying to contend, and I think they have pieces to do that too. Uh, they got Robinson Cano as well. So they've got
0: they've got hitters. They got. I mean, uh, again, they, got, they may make some moves too because they got a pair of shortstops right now. They could always end up deciding that they wanted to have one shortstop, not
1: two. Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna, if they're going to make Del uh, Delman Cruz Nelson Cruz designated hit, they could still go out and try to get Justin Upton from uh, Atlanta. That's true. And they They've could. got pieces to do it. The aforementioned Taiwan Walker, uh, yeah. either those shortstops, Chris Taylor or Brad Miller, you can go out and do it if you really feel. Impressed. I don't think I
0: don't think the uh, the Braves are going to. they have to be that'd be a three team deal, because I, I don't think either of those guys is moving uh, 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 Anderson aside. But uh.
1: now let me let me double back to the uh, to the A's deal. If you're Alex Anthopoulos mm-hmm. and Billy Bean calls you and says, Hey you know, Josh Donaldson's available. Let's start our offer. What what don't you give up for him? Oh, well, I think they Is there anybody in that in that system that you don't give up? I mean I'm sure they probably wouldn't ask I don't know if they would ask for Hoffman. Well hit trade Hoffman yet, but I don't know if you'd ask yeah. for him based on Tommy John surgery recovery. But.
0: no see I think that if you look at this trade, if you're the blue jays, this was the perfect way to make this trade. Trade a guy who is a high ceiling, high risk guy who's three to four years away, Franklin Barreto. Trade the guy who really, I know you could play him at second base, but who kind of loses his position to the guy you're acquiring. I mean, you could trade away Brett Laurie and not miss him because you're upgrading on him um, and you're with a guy who's also been healthier. And then trade two pitchers who, let's just be honest about it. If you are talking about for the Blue Jays, that's pitcher again, let's take Hoffman out of it, because Hoffman is injured and a little ways away.
1: Ineligible for trade. Right, but you
0: you could trade him, you could make a player be named. But I'm saying, not not for trade, I'm just saying if you look at them for pitching right now, Nolan and Graveman are starting pitcher options three and four among big league ready guys, because they're Daniel Norris and Aaron Sanchez both pitched in the big leagues last year, and they're both better than those guys, probably. Right. I mean, they're at least considered better than Sanchez them, right? still has to prove it as a starter. Right, but he was pretty, you he know. Was
1: excellent in the bullpen. It so, lights out.
0: So, again, if you're looking at it from the Blue Jays' standpoint, you just acquired a difference-maker type player, and what you gave up is really, and let's be honest, if you're Alex Anthopoulos, if... You're saying if you're the Blue Jays, would you regret this down the road? Yeah. You could. If you're Alex Anthopoulos, if Franklin Barreto ends up being an all-star in two thousand nineteen, you're you're trying to win in Toronto right now, and you haven't done it yet.
1: And you've just watched the Red Sox acquire Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez. Right. And you've just added Russell Martin, so you're clearly starting you, to go look all at, in.
0: You you look at this and you say for the Blue Jays, you say They're putting the pieces together where you could see, okay, much... It's funny, like, more so than when they made the trade a couple of off-seasons ago, the all-in trade. The super trade, yeah. But with these additions, they got... By getting Donaldson, they didn't make their 2015 team worse in any way. They should be better because of this trade. And, again... If you're going to be significantly better in 15, 16, you could run a risk of being worse in 18 and 19.
1: Yeah, what I'm getting at is if if he's on the phone and says, okay, we're going to have this package of four guys. Let's say he subbed out uh, Nolan and subbed in Sanchez. Do you still do that deal? If it's Sanchez Barreto.
0: That's a big difference. That's a big difference. It is a big difference. It's a massive difference. It is a big difference.
1: I mean, I'm not sure. Because
0: again, that would make, because I think that would make my big league team, I don't know if that makes my big league team that much better for next year because I'm counting on Aaron Sanchez. I mean, that's the big difference to me, is that it is, if you're a GM, it is, there is a significant value in now versus the long-term. Long-term is important, but the reality of this is as a GM, especially a GM that's been in, the, in that job for a while now, there is less value to being good in 18 and 19 than there is being good in 15 and 16. And I'm making that trade. What I'm doing in that trade is is, especially... You gave guys up who are pretty close to the big leagues as well, but who are less likely to come back and bite you big time. So the guy who could come back and really hurt, as far as trading away as those guys, is Laurie. Who Josh Donaldson has been better than Brett Laurie every year. So yes, he's older, but I, I can see it from that standpoint for the for the Blue Jays. They're they're willing to take on the super you know the, the arbitration eligible salary. Donaldson, great. You, you do that then. And then the other guy is Barretto, And again, Barretto, if he does it, it's going to be several, several years away.
1: Right. Uh, so let's get another reader question in there. Okay. Lot 49. Uh, that's Dan. Which, uh, by the way, I think we now have covered the Donaldson trade with that yes. question. Yes, we have.
0: That's, that, was, <laughs> that was intentional. But uh, Gallo or Snow? i not going to be careful because I've got Snow on my team.
1: So mm, Yeah. <laughs> don't want uh, to publicly disparage your yeah. own players. I'm going to go Gallo. Me too. I
0: Healthy, um, and the is, is, has you know, I don't think there's a massive difference between those two guys. Um, they're they're both massive power third baseman who some people question whether they'll be at third base long term. Uh, the difference is, is I think Sano's power is outstanding power. I think Gallo's power is, I don't know if I've seen anyone else with that power. Power. Yeah. Um, because Gallo does that in games. I mean, again, Sano's been great, but. But Gallo in games has been, you know, the strikeouts are a concern, but Gallo has been really, really
1: pretty special. Yeah, I was just going to look at what Gallo did in 2013,
0: but those stats aren't there. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, um, he hit uh, 40 home runs and led the minus. I meant to say Cineau, but, uh Sano, oh. I mean, had a great first half in the FSL and then went up to double A and struggled a little bit. Yeah, and, and I remember he,
1: he had a bit of a, a disciplinary problem, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
0: I think it was pretty minor. Um, he's a pretty confident dude yes I've I, heard some fun stories like it's again those were some of those I've heard fun stories from Scouts like that you could say with his makeup that he's too confident or you could say that he trusts in his abilities and he will uh he has a competitive fire
1: there's yeah there's a thin line between cockiness and confidence and
0: I you know yeah i I prefer on his case I think I call it competitive fire myself
1: I'll, I'll just I mean I, that that particular incident sticks in my mind because that was the time right before I got this job. I went up to see him. I drove the hour and a half up to Reading to see him, and he was out of the lineup. And he took the worst batting practice I've ever seen because he was pouting, and <laughs> I was not a very happy camper that day.
0: But uh, well, we will we will just more of these questions at a uh, later date. At a maybe. later date, because I do want to, we're already at. Uh, we're, I want to wrap this up in less than an hour, significantly less than an hour, because we got handbook guys to write. Um, but I do want to kind of wrap us up talking a little bit about uh, the. Uh, the, the organization of the year. We announced today the Kansas City Royals are the organization of the year. Um, it was a fun story. I, I got to write the story. It's up at baseballamerican.com, which it was a fun story to write from the standpoint of just, I, I, it, I've i been doing the Royals list for, I think, since 2008. So I, it was pretty much during this whole time of kind of them building from from really that was kind of try to lay out in the story. Is is like you you do have to kind of go back to where they were in two thousand six slash seven, or two thousand six when Dayton Moore took over, and it's probably worth remembering what the Royals were at the time was. Generally, they were the team that you went to if you had no other options of anywhere to go. Um, you look at like the two thousand six Royals lineup and rotation. More than half of the Royals rotation that year was out of baseball in the next couple of years. Um, You look at their starting lineup and you go three years later and most of those guys were no longer big league regulars. Uh, It was the the way station that you pretty much went to where you were almost out of the big leagues. And you look at the farm system back then and the farm system had Billy Butler and it had Alex Gordon. Two, Two decent pieces. Two very good pieces. Had Micah Viles, who ended up being a very useful middle infielder for several years. Still is, by the way. Not still, is, by the you know, still is. Not, uh, less useful now, yeah, but still, you know, still is a, a big leaguer. And really, you could say that was it in the farm system. Zach Reinke was in the minors that year in 06, but he'd already been in the big leagues. That was the year that he left baseball and then came back. Um, you look at starting pitchers in that organization, they didn't have anyone. Uh, there was not a starting pitching prospect in the organization whoever turned into a solid big leaguer. Um, there was, if you go beyond those three guys, there was really no other position players who've ended up being regulars or, well, Gerard Dyson was in the system, he was in 2006. Luke Kochaver, like, I, technically, Dayton was hired the week before that draft, so at the time he was hired, there was no other position players. The DSL club did not produce a big leaguer. You look back on it, there was no one on that DSL club who ended up being a big leaguer. There was no one on the DSL club the year before that was a big leaguer, and there was no one on the DSL club the year before that that was a big leaguer.
1: So they got the most value in that draft from rounds 1 and 50, basically? No. Was that Hochaver? That,
0: that was the They didn't get the best value of 1.
1: Well, but of that of that draft class? I mean, of their draft class. They, I don't know who else was in their draft class.
0: Right. Yeah, they had a couple. I mean, yeah, Hochaver, right. I mean, with that one year, I would say, like, on a cost to...
1: But he did pitch in the big leagues. So he did it, pitch the in the big leagues, yeah.
0: They did 1 in 50. Um, mm-hmm. But the interesting thing to me was is that so then the next year, that was Dayton's first, like you to say, after that 06 draft, because you don't really get to run a draft and show up the week before the draft. but. So 06, in of 06, uh, Renee Francisco, their new uh, international scouting director, went down to Dominican and they signed Salvador Perez and Kelvin Herrera. The 07 draft, they drafted Eric Hosmer, Danny Duffy, Greg Holland, and David Lowe. So Let's take Lowe out of it, because Lowe was a useful guy in the Orioles this year, but that's five key pieces from their World Series team this year that they acquired in their first year there. The next year, they went out and they got um, uh, Eric Hosmer, and they signed Jordana Ventura. So that's seven key pieces. The next year, they got Will Myers, who ended up being the key guy, the trade, that then acquired uh, James Shields and And Wade Davis. But So the interesting thing to me about it is, is that, and this is why I was going to ask you a question. It's a very long-winded way of getting to a question, but I'm going to ask you a question on it. is There's, again, having covered this team for a long time, there's a lot. there's been a lot of people who understandably have been saying, Dayton Moore got way, you know, before this year, saying he should be gone. No, no one gets this long to turn a system around. But what's interesting to me is that in this case, you look at it, and you look with the benefit of hindsight. You say, "Okay, that's the first year he was there. That's five guys from the World Series team. The next year he brings in two more key pieces. The year after that, he brings in another guy who ends up bringing in two more key pieces. So, and then that year they also the the ten is when they made the Granky trade, who brings back in Alcides Escobar, Lorenzo Kane, and Jake de who was the other piece of the James Shields Wade Davis trade. So." Really, if you, I mean, besides a couple of free agent signings like Jason Vargas and uh, Omar Infante. Bruce Chen. Uh, well, Bruce Chen wasn't really a key part of this team no, this year. No, Yeah, but I'm saying, but he was, the, he wasn't even on the, World, I'm saying on the World Series route, like uh, Nori Aoki, who was, uh, Will Smith, who was a 08 bl- uh, picker, I believe, or maybe a 9. Um, all those key pieces were acquired in Dayton Moore's first three years in the organization, all, almost all the key pieces besides some trades that happened down the road were all in place in year one, two, or three, but it was year nine, eight, and nine, that we really started to see at the big league level, the payoff from that. Does that mean, which seems crazy to say, it, in some ways it seems crazy to say that a GM, if he's building through high school drafts and international players, he should get nine years to, to prove that he's doing things right. But I think you could make a case, if you look at the Royals, and you look at what's going on in Pittsburgh, I think you could make a case that maybe that is the case. Is that crazy?
1: No. <laughs> I think you have to convince your owner that, and with, with, with not just the GM, but with your with all your top lieutenants or scouts, that, yeah, these guys are are big leaguers. They're going to take a little while, and they'll be productive. I don't know if they'll cohese all at the same time, but uh, it, it's it's not the instant gratification you get from a team with a a bigger payroll who can just plug and play your various you can let other teams develop your stars and plug them in with the royals you kind of have to be that patient do you not
0: I, I think i mean i think the answer right now is, would be have to say yes from the standpoint of they actually this is the first plan that's worked for them in 30 years
1: okay let's 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 say they just, let's say they lost game, that one game playoff. Mm-hmm. What of Dayton Moore? Do you.
0: Well, I think to me, like, again, I mean, that's a very good point. That but And they were very close to losing that game. Yeah, they were absolutely close. <laughs> I mean, they were not far away from not making the playoffs. Right. Now, uh, I think the James Shields trade means if they didn't, you could make an argument because that was essentially. I mean, it's bad, we Poker analogies are used in baseball too much, but that was. You know, he pushed the chips in and, you know, laid down his cards and let's see what, you know, what happens on the flop. I mean, it was a, he put essentially a two-year time limit on it from the standpoint of if they didn't make the playoffs in the two years that they had James Shields. I, I think at that point, it becomes very hard to say, even as good as Wade Davis was this year, it becomes very hard to say, yeah, I think we
1: did well in the Will Myers trade by trading to get James yeah. two years to James Shields. Yeah, especially after after watching the 2013 season. Oh, the guy we traded in, in this whole right. rebuilding plan just won the rookie of the year? Get out of here. Right. You know? It would have been easy to say that. But
0: by doing this and getting there, because, I mean, again, we are, I know it's the narrowest of margins, but it's a results-based situation. Um, the reality of it is, is the evaluations of the James Shields trade, if... You're making an evaluation of that trade, and the fact that the Royals made the World Series and ended up essentially two runs away from winning the World Series—you know—they finished one run short in Game Seven. If that's not part of your evaluation of the trade, I, you're 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 not existing in a real world. I, I guess is the best way
1: to put it. You trade to win the game, basically. Right.
0: The San Francisco Giants. You can love their process or hate their process. Their process is the best process right now. Why is that? They've won three World Series in the past. You know, no one else has come close to doing what they've done lately. That is the best process. Now, can you say they've got some great players? Sure, whatever you wanna say. But the reality of it is, is that in the real world, this is not an academic exercise. In the real world, how these people who are doing these things in reality get judged is, did you win? And I, I love the quote that a scout gave back when the James Shields-Will Myers trade happened where he said, look, they got to win on TV someday. This, is, this trade for the Royals was about winning on TV. Winning six straight titles in Omaha or being the number one ranked farm system in baseball America for five straight years or something like that would, is vastly less important than making it to, than winning a World Series and if you're not going to win a World Series, they basically came as close as you can come to winning one without winning one. They had what you would call in the World Series, thats the there are gallant losses in the World Series, and then there are frustrating losses in the World Series. They had the gallant loss. Madison Bumgarner basically shut them down with an epic all-world performance. With those, you tip your cap, you know, and you say, wow. I mean, again, there's others that are... If you get, the Rockies had an amazing season in 07, 07, it was, it was 07, right? Yeah, the, the one where they just
1: came from nowhere
0: by the, the Red Sox. And then swept their way into the World Series and then got swept by the White Sox. World, I mean, the Red Sox. The, that World Series is
1: one you don't want to remember. I but mean, it's and, still a great year. but yeah, that's, You talked about process with, with the Giants and, and how it's the best process right now. They were also one game away from it not being oh, yeah. the best process in the in the wild card game.
0: Well, what we have to remember now is that this is where you talk about what Toronto just did. If you can get in, you don't know what's going to happen. Now, you know, ideally, you want to set yourself up, and this is what Oakland's done a great job. What Oakland's done a great job of, it hasn't worked for the playoffs. But if you keep getting there, you hope that one of the years it all comes together for you. But we aren't talking a situation where, I mean, you would rather win 110 games. But if you can win 88 to 90, you are right in that discussion. Right. And if you can win 88 to 90, it's much more important. If you think you have a 90-win team, I would argue it is much more important to try to get to that 90 than it is to say, well, let's back up to 80 now to see if we can get to 95 a year from now. You'd rather be 90 twice than 85 and 95. Get to 90 twice, you may win it one of these years. Giants have done a better job than
1: any one of that. I mean, you're, you're right. It's super cliche, but you've got to be in it to win it, and <laughs> that's basically it. And again, and the thing the about it is
0: is that the A's, it didn't work out, but that's what Billy Bean did last year. I mean, that's why you trade for John Lester and Jesse Samarja.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, it you, didn't work out. No, but and you and understand you, why you did it. And you might regret. Uh, you probably will regret trading Addison Russell, but you do that nine times, or nine times out of ten, or ten times out of ten, and with no regret. You got two of the best pitchers available, and you. <laughs> Just, you just the only unfortunate you, you thing years
0: the A's is, that you fell apart and you didn't get to use them. Yeah, you, know? and you lost. on Jeff Samardzija didn't get to pitch in the playoffs. So. Right. <laughs> but Adam Dunn didn't get to hit in the playoffs. No, that's true too. Yeah. You know, but, but again, so I mean. It, and, again, Organization of the Year, I know we got on Twitter a couple people said, how do they gotten to give it to the Giants? They've just won the third World Series. And I follow that.
1: Yeah, you can't just give it to the team who wins the World Series right. every
0: year. Organization of the Year for us is it's a kind of more all-encompassing. If, if it was just we give it to the World Series team, it would be easy. You know, no we wouldn't would have to announce anything. Yeah. Yeah. But Organization of the Year, the reason we gave it to the Royals is, uh, I do think their farm system is better than the Giants right now. But more important than that, it was also a realization of where the Royals have come from. The Royals built a World Series team on a low payroll. I mean, they're a small revenue team who basically built it through the farm system and trades. If you look at the free agents on this team, it was Jason Vargas and it was Omar Infante. You're not gonna, you're not winning World Series based on those moves. Um, those were complementary pieces. If you look at how this team was built, it was built through trades and the draft. Well. They were very homegrown, so that's why they're, they're our organization of the year. So congratulations to the Royals again. That doesn't take any away the Giants. Congratulations to the Giants on the the more you know, hey, the
1: more important thing, the more important thing, the one you get a trophy for. Yes,
0: um, speak, get, they get a plaque. You know, we're gonna at the BA, at the Baseball America Awards Gala at the Winter Meetings. The Royals will get a uh, a trophy, but it will not be as prestigious as the World Series.
1: Which tried. transitions quite nicely. Tell the people what you and uh, about half this office are gonna be doing next week.
0: Winter meetings. So we'll hopefully be podcasting at some point. I'm sure we'll at some point get everyone together in a hotel room and, and record a podcast. Just but
1: like camp outside, outside one of the GM's hotel rooms and try to let, see how stets the Yeti is. You know,
0: we, can, we, can, we don't want to get arrested for stalking. But, uh, you know. But, uh, but no, so we'll be at the winter meetings. Um, again, Baseball America Awards Gale is back, which we're pretty excited about. That we'll be awarding our Organization of the Year, Players of the Year, Minor League Player of the Year, Amateur player, high school player of the year, college player—all those things. Um, and Cooper Christmas, aka the Rule Five Draft. Yes, that's on Thursday. If you haven't seen it at Baseball America, go to BaseballAmerica.com. I think we have eighty-something names. Right around eighty names up right now for the Rule Five preview. That should suffice. <laughs> I, at some point, I'm going to be doing a—I might be doing a
1: minor league portion of it. But uh, You know what's crazy? We listed eighty of the names. Probably not going to get all the guys. We're not going to get all the guys who get. No, because it's,
0: it's eye of beholder. It is very much. I have beholder. Especially, we're not going to get all the minor league phase by any stretch. No,
1: no, no. The minor, no. The minor. But
0: league, no. We're not going to get all the major league phase because, uh, again, it's eye of the beholder. Like, if you, if I had to do over again, would I have put Wei Chang, Wei Che Wang from the Brewers? You know, the Brewers
1: took Wei Cheng Wang
0: on the uh, on the rule five last year. No, probably not, because I would have never imagined. There had never been a precedent of a guy who had just pitched in the GCL being picked and sticking in the Rule 5 before.
1: But we did identify correctly Tommy Canely from the Yankees, mm-hmm. who was picked by the Rockies and stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else stuck from last year's Rule 5? That was about it. Yeah, we, but we identified him correctly.
0: So, I mean, again, Rule 5 you're not seeing like you know big success stories lately. Ryan Flaherty. Yeah,
1: Ryan Flaherty. I mean, ALCS in uh, second baseman and slash left fielder sometimes on so, an ALCS team you
0: know but again well this ended up being an hour as it often does uh thanks again for the questions thanks for the download we will be back more regularly uh coming forward we are in the uh we're past the halfway mark on the prospect handbook so uh that's the good news so we will be uh, hopefully a little bit more regular and
1: uh, and sweet soon enough we'll have a sweet sweet AL West portion of these drafts. Exactly. And I will try to draft more toward Talon instead of building a hypothetical
0: team. That's that's a better plan. (laughs) But, so, Josh Norris, I'm J.J. Cooper. Thank you again, and we'll see you soon.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put
0: in the hours...